Hello, and welcome to the Theology Meets Reality podcast, the podcast for people who seek to follow Christ in the midst of the messiness of life and parenting. We are Lisa and Greg Casimir, and we're not afraid to deviate from the norm of culture, even Christian culture, to make sure that we are applying what we believe about God to how we live. In our first season, we're talking all about identity and what makes us who we are and how we are seen by ourselves and by others. It's our second episode, so we're ready to jump into a controversial topic, political identity. Is there a political party for Christians? Should we define ourselves by who we vote for? If we're one body in Christ, why is politics so divisive? We're digging into all these questions here on episode two. Hi, Greg. Hi, Lisa. This is the hardest part of the podcast for us because like, we want to launch in but not launch in. It's like a soft launch. And that's, <laughs> and that's really hard for us as introverts is to like do the beginning small talk part. Yeah. Well, how are you doing? Oh, oh good. <laughs> I Conversation have, drop. I have... <laughs> We're going to actually, so next, our next podcast is on personality types and typing and it's going to be really interesting and we're going to talk about how to apply it like to our marriage and to parenting. Um, So definitely check that one out and we're going to talk through like different personalities and struggles and why small talk is like so impossible for introverts. Brutal. Um, But I have a question that I think is kind of interesting that we're going to start off with our little soft launch today. And then we get to talk about politics. And once we get there, we'll be off and running. So, Greg, would you rather give up your smartphone or your computer? I'd rather give up my smartphone. Because there's no truer definition of what I'm doing on my smartphone than wasting time. Like, I don't even, like, the the internet on my phone is usually just a frustrating version of the internet. Like, if I have to, like, search for something, which is usually what I'm doing, for, like, a project in the house or something, I get, it's, like, the terrible version of whatever website I'm looking at. And usually I just stop and go get my, go to a computer and look up the same thing on the computer and it goes faster and easier. Yeah, you should take Safari off your phone. Yeah, yeah, maybe. You're like, no, I yeah. won't. So I had such a problem with my phone taking up too much of my time that I like followed some process of taking Safari off my iPhone, which is really hard to do. And it's like something I don't remember like how to do or how to get it back, which is the point. Because if it was like easy to get back, I would just like put it back on. And so it's really hard for me to access the internet. Like I basically don't unless it's through, because I don't have email on there either. Basically because I know my own limits and my apparent lack of self-control. But anyway, it's been awesome for me. And I would totally give up my smartphone instead of my computer too. Because like my computer's like useful. Yeah, like like we were saying, it's like useful. It's a useful device. I can like type things or like watch a video like on a decent sized screen. My smartphone. Phones are so stupid. We should get rid of them. I, I like never use it. As a phone, basically. And then it's not especially smart. No. We avoided them for a long time. We did. It Basically, technology had to advance to the point where people were using too many emojis 
that our phones couldn't see, resulting in just blank test text messages. Yeah. For us to finally upgrade to like a six year old smartphone. Yeah. So basically we were gonna like like we were like literally missing messages from our friends and like not even knowing. Like yeah. some of them they would come across and you couldn't read them and then sometimes you wouldn't get it. And so we were basically gonna like lose our friendships if we <laughs> didn't like upgrade to a phone, like a smartphone. So yeah. that's why we did. But it's kind of sad. Anyway, but there are good things about it too. So there we did it. High five. Our purpose today in talking about politics is not finger pointing or telling you what to do because there's so much of that. And I know politics have kind of been talked to death, but on our podcast, we want to go back to the Bible and make sure that what we're doing is following Christ and not just following the people around us, even if the people around us are Christians because sometimes Christians do crazy things and basically like we just need to make sure that what we're viewing is the Bible and not just the culture. Like, cause we look at everything through a particular worldview and lens and we need to make sure we're not looking at it through a political lens or a cultural lens and not seeing what Christ would have us do. And the Bible is just a treasure trove of references because there are the Pharisees and the Herodians and the Sadducees and then Christ followers. So like it's, there's plenty of opportunities to draw parallels to today, to, you know, uh, previous generations uh, and see what it looks like to be dedicated to traditions or uh, parties or powers um, so that hopefully this will be a very, uh, helpful, uh, discussion. Uh, we hope that it helps you with the, what undoubtedly many are struggling with right now. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about identity. Like we said, we we're talking about identity this season and we couldn't leave out political identity because we've just seen a lot of mistakes in this regard. Recently, we have seen evidence like not just on the news, but like with people we know where the political party is actually usurping their allegiance to Christ or it's like overshadowing it. And that's a really big problem. And to just it's important that we kind of like all check ourselves, because even if we're not like the most extreme version of that, we can all kind of check ourselves and go, wait, am I going too far with my political allegiance or my political ideas? Or are these things like in line with Christ? Um, yeah, it's just, it's been a big problem from smaller things where, you know, you kind of see in your local church to like the extreme versions where, you know, there are people who were part of the Capitol insurrection who were carrying Christian flags or playing Christian music while trying to violently overturn the votes of the American presidential election. And obviously that's an extreme version, but we can all look inside ourselves and probably find something that we can more perfectly align with Christ. Yeah. Um, and of course this is not just an American thing this can be applied to any like political culture that political is that American politics is just 
our experience living in America, but if you're listening elsewhere, that's awesome. And you can apply it to where you're living as well. So, um, an interesting poll from 2009 showed that 51% of white Christians identified as Republican and 37% considered them Democrats and the rest were independents. But today that 14 point gap between Republican and Democrats who are white Christians has more than doubled. And I'm sure you've noticed this just like in your own like (laughs) sphere. So the latest results are 63% of white Christians identify as Republicans compared with 30% who identify as Democrats. And then 9% of white evangelicals did not identify with either parties or consider themselves an independent. And one thing that I would argue for is what if Christians didn't identify with any political party? Yeah. Christians like continued to participate in civic functions like voting and choosing candidates based on issues and values consistent with Christianity instead of aligning with a specific political party. I mean, the the big thing to be wary of is that political parties move. And so in in a num- in many cases the like the political party that you aligned with when you turned 18 and decided that, you know, that this was what you were what you we're going to go with, you know, 10, 20, 30 years later, they could have shifted in the complete opposite direction, or they could have shifted very much farther to their own side to the point that they're not even the party that you originally aligned with, but you were always identified with that party. And so you were going to continue doing so. Um, and it's a bit of a, like a blind allegiance. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to talk about how political parties change. Um, but I like how you mentioned like a blind allegiance because when we choose a political party, it can keep us from thinking. Um, I mean, there are some places like Texas just changed this where you could actually just select one little dot on your ballot and choose one party and it just fills in all the rest for you. Like you don't even have to read the thing, but if you can choose Republican or Democrat and they just fill in the whole thing. And that is just such an example of not really using your brain like the whole time. Like if you want to vote for the same party on every candidate, fine. But go ahead and select each one like individually. Like make the effort. Take the time. Like, it, you know, if you want to. Uh, growing up, we had Scantrons. And if generally speaking, unless the teacher was like messing with you, if you ever had like straight one answers, like all in one column, yeah, you were gonna fill the like fill in the bubble test. Yeah, the fill in the, the bubble. Number two pencil. Yeah, number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes rectangles, usually ovals. Mm-hmm. Um, A through E usually, and you usually didn't have like you know eighteen A's in a row for an eighteen question quiz. Um, but yeah, it, the. I think part of the problem is usually you show up to your polling place and people haven't thought about it. They don't know who the candidates are. There's railroad commissioners up for vote and you don't even know what the railroad commissioner does. And it's just overwhelming. And so they just hit the Republican. Yeah. I mean, that may be. Um, Yeah, definitely. 
Um, it's also a good way for candidates to use us as a group and say what we want to hear just to get our votes. I think that's another concern of like as a larger group of Christians or people who are evangelical or people who are Protestant, um, who they can just be used by political candidates because if they feel like, Oh, we know how you're going to vote, then they can just align themselves to that party or that issue. Even in it, just in word, not even necessarily like in the way that they act and then get your votes. That's really not how we should be as Christ followers, like so easily manipulated. Yeah. Um, and when we jump into a political party, like even for a good reason, like thinking it's the most pro-life party, we can actually have our view changed, views changed more by the leaders of the party than by the Bible. And here's a great example of it. Um, while two thirds of white evangelicals, for instance, say discrimination against whites is as big a problem as discrimination against minorities, more than seven in 10 among the religiously unaffiliated disagree. Two-thirds of white evangelicals say immigrants are invading America and three-fourths of the religiously affiliated, unaffiliated, sorry, disagree. Um, and these beliefs of the large number of polled white evangelicals certainly align with the Republican Party, but they're not necessarily in line with scripture. And the values have narrowed so much that people can see Christianity as a white American religion, which it never was and never will be. I mean, like the Christians who are voting that way can see Christianity as a white American religion. Oh, yeah. When you get too caught up in like the politics of America, because you just, you're, you're, it's your, your lenses or your like a vision is narrowed. Like you can't, you forget like the worldwide historicity of like Christianity that yeah. largely exists outside of America. Yeah. Um, and that Jesus wasn't white or American. And that he came to die for all people of all colors and all culture. And that also his kingdom is way bigger than the borders of one country. And if it was, it wouldn't be America anyway. But yeah, well, uh, you know, maybe another podcast on <laughs> maybe. a lot of that. Maybe. maybe. Uh, eh. um, but yeah, the, certainly the, 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 there's not a lot of diversity in public office. And uh, I think that generally speaking, the, the, those who are represented by public officials will turn out more to vote in those uh, elections. Um, so having like a person of color on the ballot uh, will likely drive more voting from people of color, but in areas where it's a significantly uh, white population, like there's just not going to be a lot of diversity of thought or of people. Yeah. I'm just arguing that like when our, when our focus is on politics, which you're right, like is dominated by a certain type of person. Like when it's focused on American politics, like we can narrow our idea of Christianity to that. Right. Oh, I, instead yeah, of you. like thinking of global, instead of like, if we're spending more time in the Bible than in the news or social media, then we would probably have a better grasp of like Christ's idea of culture instead of getting caught up too much yes yes but 
Yes, but uh, it it requires cognizance that the people that you were reading about in the Bible are not white. Like, I think that it certainly will play a big role in it if you if people are like consciously aware that these are um, these are Hebrews and they are not white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, um, which is uh, an unfortunate, um, like notion that's been portrayed in media, uh, in the past, I think. No, I don't know. I guess I haven't seen many, but it, in a lot of the like children's artwork and stuff that I've seen is there's not a lot of ethnically diverseness. I mean, I guess I really didn't think that people actually thought that, but like a decent number of people actually thought that, but I don't know. I don't have any yeah, don't polls know. for that. I do want to talk about unity in the church. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> Ephesians chapter four speaks to this. It says, I, therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, urge you to live worthily of the calling of which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, putting up with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So one of the things that we often forget and like, please note, like I'm including myself in all of this because I'm definitely not perfect in trying to consider um, my flaws when it comes to politics as well. When we humble ourselves and put aside our pet issues for the benefit of the larger church, like that's God's heart. And that can be hard to do because there are some things that we're really passionate about, but um, that's what scripture says. Um, one of the things that we've seen that is a problem that you kind of alluded to when we were talking about race is the division between Christians, um, of different races and how they vote. Um, so Phil Vischer has a great video on this on YouTube. It's called why do white Christians vote Republican and black Christians vote Democrat? Um, because 96% of black Protestant Christians voted for Clinton in 2016, whereas 81% of white evangelicals voted for Trump in 2016. I mean, that's a huge division. All these people are Christian. You would think that they would be closer to voting together. Um, but yeah, this racial line among Christians voting has been this way from way before 2016. And we're not going to have time to like go into that, um, right now, but we want to talk about Christ's heart for unity. So we're going to go to John 17 and Jesus heart for the church. This is taking place on the evening of Jesus arrest. He took time to pray for his believers, um, at this difficult time in his life. So we're going to read from starting in verse 16. And Jesus said, they are not part of this world any more than I am. Make them pure and holy by teaching them your words of truth. As you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself entirely to you so they also might be entirely yours. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me because of their testimony. My prayer for all of them is that they will be one, just as you and I are one, Father, that just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us and the world will, will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are. I in them and you in me all perfected into one. 
Then the world will know that you sent me and will understand that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you've given me to be with me so they may, they can see my glory. You gave me the glory because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me, and I have revealed you to them and will keep on revealing you. I will do this so that your love for me may be in them and I in them. We don't belong to this world, so we don't need to act like we don't have a hope or we don't know our future or we don't have any power aside from political sway. We are to be set apart. We talked about that in our last podcast. One of our identities is that we're set apart. So if we're looking like everyone else and doing what they're doing, we need to make sure that we check ourselves. And then Jesus wants all of his church to be one. Why? So we have political sway to impact policy? No. In what we just read, it's so the world will know that God sent Jesus and that they're loved. Not so the world will know that we're pro-life or so the world will know we're against gay marriage, even if we are, but so the world will know Jesus is from God and God loves them. And this is one of the most heartbreaking challenges or mistakes I think Christians have made recently in politics. And maybe it's gone. It's been going on for a long time, but really seen it recently is just like eclipsing Jesus, like as if something could possibly more be more important. Yeah, it, uh, it is just heart-wrenchingly concerning to see what is being put up on a pedestal uh, by so many, uh, so many Christians across the nation when all we have been called to do is to go out into all the world and preach the good news of salvation in Christ alone. Everything else, God's got. Right. <laughs> like we, he did, they didn't, Jesus didn't tell the disciples and us, um, uh, go out into the world and eliminate this or make sure that you do that. Like he even said, like, you know, the, the, the woman who came and anointed Jesus with oil and they like chastised her because they could have sold it and given the money to the poor. And he's like, you will always have the poor. So like, we can't even eliminate poverty. No, we can't. Because we will always have the poor. There will always be someone who is without. It's our job to preach the gospel to all the world and to demonstrate the Father's love for us in loving other people. Okay, so when political voting or other political issues come up how do we apply this so we've kind of like i mean greg and i've been wrestling with this too like through the past couple elections and we'll give you some of the ideas that we've had or we've gained from others and one of that is that we research each candidate individually like as much as we can and sometimes it takes hours (laughs) hours and hours yeah and sometimes some of the candidates like the small local candidates those just have like some really random position like it's very hard to find information on but so you can find something 
we don't vote just because someone's aligned with this particular party. And we don't even vote for someone just because they say that they're Christian. Um, we know, for example, of like a Christian Republican in office who's been investi- been in, under investigation by the FBI for the past two years following other criminal charges from 2015. So like, it's just not a good, you, you can't, it would be nice if you could be like, this person's a Christian, therefore they're going to be a good person or a good candidate. And that's unfortunately not always true. So try to do. Have you met Christians? What? Have you met Christians? Because there's, you know, well, there's good ones. It's unfortunate, there's but it is true. Yeah. You can't, I, we don't just take that at face value and just go and vote for them. Not, no, not kind of further investigate. Um, And then another idea is the idea of voting to win or voting your conscience. And I think this is something that divides Christians that a lot of people aren't talking about, but I've kind of come across it in people that I've talked to. A lot of the people who, okay, the people that, some people that we've talked to who voted for Trump in 2016 said they didn't really want to. Like, have you, did you hear like the, yes, that I'm holding my nose, but voting for him anyway. Have you heard that? Yes. Yes. Yes, I did hear that. Okay. So one and thing I want to like, say is like the vote still registers. Like there is no like <laughs> picture of a nose on it or something. Do you know what I mean? Or it's not like three stars out of five. Like it's a yes yeah. Yeah. or a no. This is like a, it's like a three quarters. It's a full vote. Okay. Like it doesn't matter like whether you just barely <laughs> made, somehow you made it to the poll to vote for this person that you don't want to. Yeah. And I, I think the reason that the people did that, if I'm understanding it correctly, is that they didn't want Clinton to win, right? Is right. that right? Right. So their purpose in voting for someone they didn't really like was to avoid the other person winning. So like it's like a big it's a big strategy. Yeah. Right? Of like yeah. how to win, right? Well, yeah, and it yeah. Or I guess how not to lose. I don't yeah. know. It well and it's also and this might be the next point. It's it also uh plays into not wasting your vote. Okay, so your vote of a person that you are holding your nose about is not a waste. I mean, okay, well, I'm, I'm not saying it makes sense. I don't. That's you know, you know, that's not how I vote. But um, that that is a a genuine sentiment. I mean, we you know, it, it, that is how people feel. Like if you were to vote for the independent or a, you know a third party candidate or whatever. So it. People see that as throwing it away. So here's how I see things. And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But basically, I'm accountable for my actions, right? To Mm. God. like, And so I need to vote my conscience. So if you agree with Trump and wanted to vote for him because that's your conscience, that's a different thing than saying I voted for him but didn't really want to. Yeah, I I couldn't couldn't make myself vote for Hillary... So therefore, I vote Trump. But I'm saying you need to, I personally need to vote my conscience because I'm held accountable to God for what's on my conscience. So I can't go against my conscience in a vote. My job is not to determine who wins. Right. That's God's job. Right. He can make my job. Anybody is to vote my conscience. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like, we don't need to like scheme and try to like get like the third best candidate or something like vote your conscience. And if that's different than my conscience, fine. Like 
great. Then like we both can stand honestly before God and say we did what we thought was right. But like, let's not try and scheme and try to like make it's, oh my gosh, it's reminding me of like the voting issues and stuff, but um, you shouldn't try to like scheme and like try to trick trick somebody into winning or losing. That's how I see it. As Christians, we have a responsibility to Christ to have like a conscience and stand on it. Yeah. yeah. That's something else. Yeah. <laughs> and next topic. Another thing we should do as Christians is when we vote, just like anything else, we should consider others. And I think this is really good to think about. Um, in some ways, I think this is almost e- easier to think about with a local ex- election than a presidential election. But like, let's suppose if so-and-so of like your local city is going to win and then like the streets that you take to your work are going to be fixed or something, you'd be like, I really want to vote for them because like it's really going to help my commute because they're they're going to repair the streets I need repaired, right? Yeah. But if you vote solely because of that, then you're not really considering anybody but yourself and, like, I guess other people who would benefit from that. Like, we need to consider their policies even if they don't affect us. So, like, our kids are not currently in public school. But I do read up on the people for school board and try to think, like, if we were in the public school system or, like, the teachers who are in the public school system, would this be good or bad for them right or if you like their tax policy but they're really terrible in some other regard that doesn't affect you i don't know we should consider other people and not just ourselves because that seems like a christ-like quality agreed all right and greg you mentioned this before so we'll just talk about it really quickly is that political parties and relevant issues change but god never does so i mean this is pretty obvious straightforward but like you said, if we align ourselves with one party, the parties change over time. New issues come up, like coronavirus was just like a brand new issue. Um, racism is not at all a new issue, but it has seen a new resurgence, like publicly, as far as like concern and bigger racial issues. And so when we align ourselves with a huge party or even another organization, it can be used and misunderstood instead of aligning us with Christ. But God never changes. So when we align ourselves with God, we know what we're getting and we don't need to worry about it. Um, God is unchangeable in his being, his wisdom, his power, his holiness, his justice, goodness, and truth. Our Lord is immutable. His character and being can experience no change or mutation. So that should be where we align ourselves. And that that alignment to the world may look um, like a wave, you know, it it ripples back and forth. Ripples the wrong word. It it might it appears to swerve back and forth as issues rise and fall in culture and society. But the reality is that you're you're holding true to what matters, and you're not um, you're not you're actually you are more steady in doing that than if you were to moor yourself to a political party and then be at the mercy of their uh, swaying back and forth as, uh, you know, things come up and go on and everything. Like, it, you'll be you'll be tossed about much more trying to stay aligned to a political party than if you were just staying aligned with God. 
Okay. So, shouldn't Christians always vote for the pro-life candidate no matter what? (laughs) This is a really important question that we should consider. Because I think a a lot of people are saying that's why they vote for for who they're voting for. Because they're the most pro-life candidate, right? Yeah. Which life? Well, That's the question. Which life? Which life? uh, Yeah, that's part of the question. I think... um, I think the Trump presidency was a really great lesson in this because a lot of people did vote for Trump in 2016 saying that he was the most pro-life candidate and certainly like on paper, I guess that would probably have been true. I guess he was the most pro-life candidate compared with the Democratic candidate of 2016. Um, But then of course, like what, what was, what were the ramifications of that and what kind of did he deliver? I think this is another kind of, important thing to consider like we don't have to try to look to the government for salvation or for help like i absolutely agree that christians should be pro-life in all considerations but of course like you know pro-life for protecting the unborn um but why do we have to look to the government for help it's like we're trying to force something do you know what i mean it's oh, kind, yeah. of a, kind of a similar thing like we're trying to win the election we're trying to force our hand on something um it's like we constantly appeal to the government to save us from abortion as if overturning roe versus wade which none of the five republican presidents since 1973 have done will prevent women from having an abortion i mean the the issue is so much larger and deeper and born out of a more broken place than can be changed from an overturned overturned court decision and of course President Trump, like, was not able to, like, significantly impact abortion law. And then you have to also look at other lives that were impacted, like people who are, who have been born. Right. For example. Um, I'm also concerned about the Christians who use a pro-life flag. They wave a pro-life flag and then they've kind of turned that into a get out of jail free card for doing and saying terrible things. What? Um, I think we need to be careful that we don't use that in a manipulative way or that other people don't use that to manipulate us. Um, because Christians are supposed to care about others and be pro-life, um, but not just caring for babies and their mother's womb, but also for other things um, to recognize other people around us the fact that um you know god values people of all colors and um that we should care for those who are sick and so like our pro-life idea shouldn't just stop at abortion but also should carry through when we're considering things like i mean pretty much everything else right well yeah and so life right uh beginning at conception Continuing until death. Yeah, natural death. Natural death. Yes. Catholics say. Yeah. So, uh, so like, you know, it. So the 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 unborn, but also all of the born. Right, and so and we're not at all like trying to make light of this. Like we're genuinely concerned about the lack of compassion for. A bunch of different so groups many, of people, right? So many groups of Whether people. Whether it's just like people who are sick or at risk from coronavirus or people of color or immigrants or like 
I mean, even just the cruelty we see from people on like different sides of the political spectrum. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm myself included. We could all use more compassion, consideration and like, um, humility. Should we bring up the CPAC thing before we move on about how the Republican party is actually moving away from like having, um, oh, being yeah, the, pro-life on their agenda just yeah, the to agenda like, let poll. people know. Yeah. Um, it's just, just for people who do think it's really important to vote pro- pro-life and I do too. Like, I don't want you guys to think that I don't very much care about abortion. Um, I just feel like it's just been so misused and misconstrued. Like I, it's feel like, I feel like politicians are trying to manipulate Christians with it and Christians are just blindly following. Um, but the Republican party recently, this is in 2021 had a convention. No, like CPAC. Yeah. Um, and they talked about what the important issues to the Republican party going forward are. And they listed the top eight issues and eight on the list. The last one was, um, you know, being pro-life. Yeah. So that was the lowest on the list. Um, so I would just, which yeah, it, it made it like it barely made the list. Technically. Yeah, so I would just be, I would just be aware of that going forward. It doesn't mean you shouldn't vote Republican. It doesn't mean you shouldn't care about pro-life. You should, I would just recognize going forward. The Republican party may be less pro-life focused than it has been in the past. Okay. Um, let's talk about God's kingdom and Jesus and politics. We don't need to be searching for our next great leader because we have the greatest leader ever. Psalm 103 says that God sits on his throne and his kingdom extends over everything. Do you have Psalm 146? I do. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, I tell myself. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God even with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When their breathing stops, they return to the earth, and in a moment all their plans come to an end. But happy are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the one who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He is the one who keeps every promise forever, who gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts the burdens of those bent beneath their loads. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. O Jerusalem, your God is king in every generation. Praise the Lord. It's hard for us to have a big view in mind, but we're really talking about eternity. The political issues at hand really matter, but not nearly as much as we think. Not nearly anywhere remotely. Is there a word for that? Like where you, it's not like where you get stuck in your present day. Like I know like ethnocentrism is like you get stuck in your own culture, but like what's presentism getting stuck in your own like current time. 
there's something about that where it's like you think your time anyway yeah. <laughs> there should be there probably is there probably is um but we can and this is something i can com- i completely do is like think about what's going on right now is like so important but in light of eternity it's really not so we don't want to spend our lives like as Christians, as God's church, divided as pawns for a political party instead of sharing the gospel or showing compassion or loving our neighbor. Um, when Jesus was on earth, he lived during a great, a time of great political evil and division. When he was born, Herod the Great was in charge and he ordered all boys under two to be killed so this kingdom wouldn't be potentially usurped in a decade or two. I mean, that's some pretty extreme, like, political problems. Yeah. But that wasn't what Jesus came out like, okay, first things first, we got to change the government, right? I mean, that's not at all. He did not make his ministry about political policy because his kingdom transcends that. In Matthew 22, there's a great summary of how Jesus dealt with present day politics while he was on earth. He said to render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar and render unto God what belongs to God. What belongs to God, we do. If we're Christians, we bear his image. We talked last week about our identity in Christ and how, because we were bought with a price, we don't belong to ourselves anymore. So our lives are not our own to just do whatever we wish. So what is the message that we're projecting? Like, Are we presenting God's image? What is the sign in your yard? What is on your t-shirt? What's on your Facebook page? What are you posting on Twitter? Like, is it the image of God or is it something else? When we humble ourselves, um, it benefits the larger church. Um, Capital C church. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We are all co-workers belonging to God. That's what 2 Corinthians 3 says. Whenever someone says, I'm with Paul or I'm with Apollos, are you not merely human? What is Apollos really? Or what is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe in each of us is in the ministry that God gave us. <clears throat> so when our kids ask us, asked us at election time, are we Democrat or Republican? We told them we're Christian. Yeah, we did. We did because we, we did. are. Yeah, that's, that's the right answer. There you go. Well, <laughs> there you go. So what are we doing? We are not aligned with any party. We try to research our candidates and we do try to vote in every election. You know, because we do need to be responsible and like participate in our society, right? Right. Uh, we try to vote our conscience and leave the results up to God. Try to be loving to all. Oh, but we did talk about this, how it's kind of hard in our really divided political culture to like even talk about politics. Um, I think we could potentially, sp- I personally could potentially speak up with more gentleness. Um, a lot of times I'm quiet when people disagree with me politically because I seem like there's no point. But maybe I could gently say something or even like ask a question that might lead them to like think through something a little bit more. Right. Um, And then we get to rest in the knowledge that we belong to a higher kingdom. One other point I wanted to make is to be careful when watching the news because when you're watching something on TV your brain actually works differently than if you're reading something. So when we see something on television, um, the part of our brain that uses discernment and judgment 
is like shut down. And so we just receive and file away what we see. Whereas if you read something, you're on words on a page, your brain actually judges and discerns what you're reading. Like as if it's valid, if it's true, whatever, before it files it away. And so I recommend reading more of your news than you watch so that you can make judgment while you're listening and are not like unduly influenced. What do you think, Greg? Anything else you wanted to add? Uh, I would vary your source of news. Yeah, that's probably not a bad idea. And also, like, we don't need to, like, know every everything. tiny little... Th- like, we weren't meant to know <laughs> everything that was going on in the world. Um, And we're not that important that we have to know everything. Obviously, yes, we need to be, like responsible citizens but like you we probably don't need to know near as much as we know or think we know no and we don't need to we certainly don't need to go seek it out yeah i agree that's good advice greg thanks i'm i'm trying <laughs> all right how was that it was a good second podcast yeah it was a good that was a good second podcast i hope i didn't Oh, but I didn't say anything uh, silly or nonsense. Like, it just, like, came out nonsense. We'll find out when we listen uh, back. <laughs> um, all right, why don't you take us out with the benediction? Okay, I will do the benediction. This benediction is from Martin Luther King Jr. And now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and lift us up from the dark valley of despair to the mountains of hope, from the midnight of desperation to the daybreak of joy, to him be power and authority forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening. We appreciate all of our listeners and are praying for you. If you'll take two minutes to rate and review our brand new baby podcast, we would be so grateful. For more information on today's episode, head to theologymeetsreality.com. Until next time, Follow Christ, not culture.